My name is Matt Piper. I work here at the Institute of Healthy Aging. We work on yeast, worms and flies and we try to discover any genetic or environmental manipulation that extends their healthy lifespan. And the point is, of course, that we don't want to learn how to extend the lifespan really of yeast, worms and flies. We want to understand how to extend the healthy lifespan of humans. And that really differentiates the research we do from any other type of biomedical research like cancer research or arthritis or diabetes research. We think those things are actually symptoms of one common cause and that's aging itself. So if we can treat aging, we can actually can treat all the diseases of aging simultaneously. So what we're going to show at the Royal Society exhibit are three things. We hope to introduce you to the biology of aging, the fact that genes control aging, the fact that uh, a worm can live for two weeks, uh, a mouse for three years, and a whale for a couple of hundred years, and a hydra even is reportedly supposed to be immortal. It proves the point that, it, that for very long durations of time, things can be functionally uh, active for uh, a very old ages, so that this is biologically possible. Uh, the second component of what we are going to talk about and show and interact over is, is our model organisms, so the yeast, worms and the flies. And I, I have a couple of flies here. What you'll be able to see is that we have very old flies in one of these vials and they sort of, like old people, they fall over and stumble around a bit, uh, whereas the younger flies are, are much more active. They jump up and they climb up the sides of the vials. And, and I think this is a real demonstration that even though these organisms are sort of foreign to most people is that uh, you can actually really see that they get old and that they age and so they're useful for our ageing research. And then the third part is to convey a message of what it is like to be older in yourself. So to hopefully give you an idea of what it will be like to look older and to feel older. These three things together sort of sum up what we, what we do here in the lab, which is to try and take what we know about the genetics and the environment and use those things on the yeast worms and flies to extend their healthy lifespan, to understand something more about human ageing and how we might be able to make humans healthier with old age. My name's Sophie Scott and I'm a cognitive neuroscientist working at University College London and I'm very interested in human brains and how they deal with human communication, so how my brain's controlling the sounds of the speech that I'm making now and how your brain's able to decode that information and also tell all sorts of other stuff from me about my voice. You couldn't see me, you could tell I was a woman, you could tell if I was angry. That's all there, that's part of what's going on. And this is the room that we use a lot for recording stimuli for our studies of this London nature. This is called an anechoic chamber and it's so called because there are no echoes in here so you get this very clean sound which is very good for um, making good recordings that we can then analyse ac acoustically and use in our brain imaging studies. But it also means that um, it's a slightly unpleasant environment to be in because you don't get any of the normal room sound that you get when you're moving around buildings. There's, there are no echoes and it almost feels to me like I've got something wrapped around my head. The study that I'm going to talk a little bit about today is some stuff specifically that we've been doing on laughter and I'm very interested in human laughter. It seems to be uh, very unlike certain other emotions that we express, so unlike things like fear or anger, we use laughter in a very social way, so laughter is used very widely in conversation and in play, and we will pay good money to go and see people make us laugh. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. <laughs>
We can also see quite a long evolutionary history, as with some of the other basic emotions for laughter, so we're not the only animals that laugh. Chimpanzees laugh, gorillas laugh, and there's even evidence that rats laugh. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing is looking at, for example, what happens in your brain when you hear the sound of somebody laughing because they're helpless with laughter or because they're sort of laughing in a more social way. And that required us to get people into the anechoic chamber and then do whatever it took to make them laugh. How's that? A few more. And um, that was interesting. Sometimes that was harder than other times. But we found actually it worked best if we got groups of people who were friends and then they found it a lot easier to make each other laugh. <laughs> so, you know, the, even to get the real laughs for our stimuli, we were using the kind of social aspect of, what, of how laughter works to, to really help us get us on our way. <laughs>